Welcome to the Courage Checklist. This week, I'm very pleased to bring you my conversation with success coach, author, and business coach, Barbara Nixon. Barbara also has her own podcast called Smash Your Own Ceiling, as well as a radio show. It's very interesting, our conversation, because she talks about something that she's had challenges with. Not only that, but some ways that she used, some tools that she used to help combat that. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation, and I'm really pleased to be a part of that today. Also, it was really fun. We were able to share some of the things that we worked on in our Instagram page. We asked questions on the Courage Checklist Instagram page, and the one this week was, when you were a little kid, what did you want to do when you grew up? And what are things that you think you bring into your life from that wish? So we share some of those from the people who helped us with that. And also, it's just a delight to be able to share a courage checklist from friend of the podcast, Rain Elizabeth Stickney. Rain also has her own podcast. So I hope you'll enjoy today, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, I'm so excited today to have Barbara Nixon here to speak with us. Now, Barbara, can you give us a little short biography of yourself and the kinds of things that you do? I can. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so pleased to be here and, and to chat to you today. So I'm Barbara Nixon. I'm a success coach and founder of Smasher and Ceiling. I'm based over in the UK in the lovely Yorkshire. And what I do is, is support business owners and leaders to get out of their own way, to stop holding themselves back and stop playing small to actually achieve and create the life and business that they really, really want. And this has been a passion for me for, I've been in the people development space for, I think it's coming up to 26 years now, which is, it always kind of scares me when I say it out loud, but it's been my calling for all of my career. Oh, that's wonderful. So this isn't the this is the newest iteration of what you do. You've done this in different ways in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I've done it in lots of different ways. So I started life in corporate. I had a 12, 13 year corporate career, always in, in the people development field, where I ran big projects and managed big teams and did, you know, had the full corporate life. And then in about 2010, I had my youngest daughter, I was on maternity leave and I went back to work and realised that I just didn't fit anymore. It didn't feel right. It wasn't in alignment. It wasn't what I wanted, even though I absolutely loved my job. It was, I just wanted something else. I wanted to, I, I guess I wanted what everybody wants, which is freedom, just to be able to be the creator of my own destiny. And so I jumped ship. I started my very first business which I ran for five years, which is a, was, again, a training consultancy, so still in the same field. And then back in 2015, I started my coaching business, which is what I, I do now. So it's my second business, but always in the same, with the same umbrella, if you like. Smash Your Ceiling has been going for about 
two or three years. So I started Smash On Scene probably at the beginning of 2020. Um, it was it was it was a natural iteration of of my brand. It was always where I was heading, and I was doing this work since, like I said, since 2015. But it just seemed to always kind of fit under the neat umbrella of Smasher and Ceiling. So that's when I created that brand. Oh, I love it, and I love it that you're going to be able to reach more people um, with your show. That's I love the idea of smashing your own ceiling because so often it's our own hangups that are holding us back. Oh, so true. So what kinds of things would you say in your life that have been holding you back? What kinds of things have you had to be courageous about? Well, I've been on a personal journey as well, as we all do. You know, we tend to we tend to teach what we need the most, I think. And I remember um, there's been lots of times where I've I've held myself back. I've played small because um, I noticed this about myself back in my corporate days. and. I, it was then that I started to recognise that other people were doing the same, and that it's quite a co- it's quite common. But for me personally, the biggest thing that where I held myself back, or re- I, I really struggled in terms of overcoming something, uh, was but probably back in 2015, maybe a little bit earlier than that actually. I started really fearing being um, visible and speaking to people on stage on you know uh, in front of people and this was a bit of a strange one for me because I as you know I, I've been in the, the the people development space for for all of my career so that involves speaking in front of people sometimes large numbers of people sometimes small numbers of people in workshops online um, in masterclasses and webinars and and face-to-face and events it was never a problem for me and then quite suddenly, actually, back in around the 2015 mark, I started getting really bad stage fright. And I had a decision to make whether it got it got to a point where I started declining work. I didn't know I, I, I was worried about doing it. I was really nervous. I was I was afraid of doing it, of speaking in front of people. And I had a decision to make whether it was some I needed a change of career, whether it was something I wanted to carry on with, or whether it was something that I would I would work around and combat. And I actually around that time, I I got a phone call to book me for a speaking event, and that's not out of the ordinary. It used to happen quite a lot. It still does, but at that time, certainly it was part of my part of my day to day and. I found myself looking at my diary thinking I, or every ounce of me wanted to say, I'm fully booked. I can't do it because I, I wanted to escape. I wanted to not do it. And in that moment, I thought, OK, I'm going to have to work through this because I'm not ready to give up my passion. This is my calling. This is what I've been doing. I strongly believe this is what I'm here to do. So I wasn't ready to give it up. So I decided in that moment, and remember, Jennifer, I'm on the phone at this point, so it's quite a long pause. And I, I remember thinking, I've probably been given this for a reason so that I can as well support other people, because I know so many people who struggle with speaking in front of people. So I thought, right, I'm going to work through this. So I gave them a, a date that was quite far in the future. So maybe a few months. It was uh, maybe a bit two or three months, maybe a bit few, a bit more. And I thought, right, this is my deadline. I'm going to work through it. And in that time, I threw everything at it. I literally threw everything at it. I was very open about it. And I started I started a, a, a real 
development journey and I called it um, an experiment so and the reason I, call it an ex- I called it an experiment is something that I use now in my business and I, st- I use it with my clients is that when you create an experiment there's no success and no failure it's just results and in that time I needed to not have the pressure of success I needed to just be give myself full fully permit full permission to just explore the journey and learn and go back to basics and learn more about not so much about speaking because I'd been doing that for for a long time but it was learning about myself and how to overcome the fear and grow my confidence again and be okay with being afraid and still doing it and seeing whether it's just be curious about whether it was possible to to overcome it so I I I literally threw everything at it during that time yeah I mean the first thing that I did was became very aware of how I felt so I became very aware of when fight or flight was kicking in so before I went on stage and I started creating opportunities for me to go on stage that weren't that weren't going to be, you know, too serious. It was just, you know, that I could play on stage. So I joined clubs. I actually joined Toastmasters at the time, which I absolutely loved. Um, So I gave myself lots of opportunities. But in that time, I I, I kind of dialed up my self-awareness on how I felt. So when fight or flight kicked in, I realised that my, my reaction was always flight. I wanted to run. I wanted to escape. So I knew that uh, I looked at every every aspect of my fear without any judgment at all. And that took some relearning just because, you know, it's it's inbuilt. It's it's something that we, we react to. But it, I really analysed and, and I, I guess it was just um, curiosity. So every time I felt afraid, I was thinking, Okay, what are you feeling now? How is this? What what is it that you want to do? Well, I want to run away. Okay, what how's how what else other symptoms am I experiencing? And I literally went through and did a bit of a self audit before I went on stage every single time, and that became a bit of a habit for me. So I looked at my breathing, and thought, okay, how can I slow my breathing down? I looked at um, my heartbeat, which is a funny thing to do, and I remember the first time that I forced myself to do this. I was sat on um, on the edge of the stage, ready to go on, and I felt my heart beating fast. You know, it felt like it was beating out of my chest. And so I looked, I kind of focused on it and thought, okay, I feel as though my heart's beating out of my chest. And then I asked myself, okay, is it really? Well, actually, no, it's just thumping a little bit faster, but it doesn't feel uncomfortable. Okay, so can you, is that okay? Can we deal with that? Yeah, we can deal with that. It's just doing its job. So, and then I went to my my breathing and thought, okay, what's my breathing like? Well, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit shallow in my breath. Okay, what can I do about it? I'll slow my breathing right down and see what happens there. So I literally walked myself through my own symptoms. But the one thing that I also did, which was a bit of a game changer for me, actually, and it's, it happened a few times, was that I became very aware of the audience. So if, in order to explain this a little bit better, I'll ju- if, if I can, um, I'll take you back to um, a different time. It was obviously I was still experiencing the stage fright and it was probably at the beginning when I started realising that I was struggling with stage fright. And I was doing a webinar for over 100 people, which was a lot for me 
especially on a webinar, because webinars were very new to me back then. And I started to feel really, really nervous. And I thought, crikey, I'm, I'm starting to feel terrified. I'm doing this webinar. I've created a lot of people. And I was focusing on myself. You know, what if I'm not good enough? What if I'd get it wrong? What if I say something wrong? What if somebody calls me out? What if my slide show isn't very good? What if I'm not professional enough? And it was all about me. And I was getting more and more nervous. And my teenage daughter was sat in her room, as they, you know, they do. And I, and there was nobody else in the house. And I thought, what can I do? I need help. And you know, I'm starting to, you know, my brain's going, my mind's going a little bit haywire at this point. So I did whatever anybody would do with a teenage child. I walked into their room and I, into my daughter's room, and she was about, oh, I'm at 14, 15 at the time. And I sat on her bed and she didn't even look up. She was like scribbling in a journal, Jennifer. And she didn't even look up. And I said, help me, Hannah, help me. I'm panicking. I'm doing this webinar for over 100 people. What do I do? And she, without even missing a beat, she said to me, as only teenage kids can say, she said, you're not Madonna. Get over yourself. And in that moment, I was it was the the slap down that I really needed because in that moment, that one sentence taught me so much. It taught me that it wasn't it wasn't about me, that it was never about me, that I was just the messenger. Actually, it was all about the audience. It was the, these people on this webinar were coming. They were giving up their lunch hour to learn something. They weren't coming to see me. They weren't coming. They'd not paid a ticket. You know they. To, to see me they'd come to learn something it could have been anybody delivering that that webinar and when I realized that it was actually all about service everything changed for me because I realized that it I, I was focusing my attention on the wrong thing that if I focused on the audience and just being of service to that to those people that were just there to learn something it it made everything else disappear. So if we fast forward when I was doing my my experiment to stop the stage fright, I remember doing the same thing. And I sat, I was sat on this stool waiting to go on stage and I was going through my own physical symptoms and I remembered this lesson and I looked around at the audience and they were sat there with their, you know, just chatting and having a good time and and because remember, it wasn't it wasn't a serious presentation at that point. I was just creating opportunities for myself. So they were just there having a good time and being so supportive. And I thought, crikey, they're not there for, to, to see me. They're just there for an experience. They're, they're there to have a good time. They're there to learn something potentially. It's not about me. And all of a sudden, the nerves just melted away. Now, I'd love to say that they went completely, but I never expected them to go completely. I just wanted to be able to stand up and do my job again at that point. And But just that shift, that shift in per, per, perception and perspective just changed everything and allowed me to go on and be visible online and do wonderful things like talk to you on podcasts and, and speak in front of people again. Because this is the thing that I think so many of us get hung up on. We focus on ourselves rather than the people that we're there to serve. It was so much fun to talk to Barbara and there was a lot more of our interview. I'll share more again, perhaps another time. I really want to encourage you all to go ahead and 
follow Barbara and see what amazing things she has. There are a lot of classes, there are a lot of um, webinars, and she has several books to look at. So please, I am so grateful to Barbara and I encourage you to check her out. checklist, right? We got a lot of great responses. Untethered Jen said, I want to be an ice cream person who drives a big truck. Become You Coaching said, I always wanted to write and I'm finishing up books now to bring that to life. The Hero Within podcast said, I wanted to be a psychologist and a journalist. Now I'm a life coach, I'm writing my book, and I'm podcasting. Everybody's Gotta Eat said, I wanted to be an artist, a cartoonist, or maybe a baker. Remember Grams said, I wanted to be a teacher until I went to college to be a teacher. Now I have big dreams of creating a life for myself that helps me serve people in different ways. I like that one. Another commenter, Pictures of Presence, said, Before my life got hard, I wanted to be an artist and a writer. After my life got hard, I wanted to be a psychologist, teacher, and author. Now I do some of these things and somehow became a podcaster. The Therapy Sisters said they wanted to be a marine biologist, even though they had no clue what that was and lived nowhere near the water. They said, a girl can dream, right? <laughs> Emily Geyser said she wanted to be Jane Polly on the Today Show. The She's Brave podcast said that they wanted to be a broadcaster, and now they do with their own podcast. It's nice that there's a lot of those. Sparky Life of Leah said that they wanted to be the 2023, 2023 Paul Harvey. I like that. So we got some really great and interesting responses. I really invite you guys to think about what kinds of things you liked to do and wanted to be when you were a child. When you were a little, little person, think about sitting there in the grass and imagining what you'd be when you grow up. If you can dream it, you can do it. So I invite you to bring some of that energy into your week this week and see where it takes you. See what kinds of things come up, what kinds of things are joyful and fun. We are so lucky today to have a courage checklist from friend of the podcast and host of the Every Moment is Sacred podcast, Rain Elizabeth Stickney. I invite you to look and listen to her wonderful checklist and think about what kinds of things you would put on your list. Remember, you're always invited to leave a message for the show at the link in the show notes or email the show with your checklist. Hey, Jen. I have a list to read off for you. This is Rain. Number one, publish a best-selling book. Number two, make $100,000 in one month. Number three, 
publish mom's poetry. My mom was a poet and she's no longer living. So I have all her poetry that I'd like to publish for her. Number four, finish CD project. My mom was also a musician and she produced a CD before she died, but she did not live to see the CD in actuality. We finished it for her. So we need to finish giving everyone the CD who wants one. Thank you so much for sharing your day with us. Please send feedback or your list to the voicemail link or to couragechecklist at gmail.com. Please follow the show and then follow us on Instagram at the Courage Checklist. Have a wonderful day.